welcome to My Life in Notes, a podcast about the profound effect that music has on our lives and relationships. Each episode, I'll be introducing you to a musician that had an influence on my writing style or my musical tastes, different people that I met along the way as a promoter or touring artist, or just bands or people that I think that you should know and that you would find interesting. For today's episode, I have Matthew Schwartz of the musical collective Pacifico, founder of Pacific Records, and co-host of the Moon Traveling Podcast. We talk about music, we talk about his label, and some of the interesting things they do there, and some of the stuff that he has coming up for 2022. I hope that you enjoy and learn something new about the stuff Matthew is doing. Matthew, always great to have you. Thanks for joining me. Hey, what is up, Rob? Not a whole lot. You know, I'm excited to have you on and talk about a lot of the stuff that we we talk about on a regular basis. For those of you who don't know, I currently work with Matthew working on booking stuff for him. So we're always talking about music and life and his record label, which is a lot of what I wanted to talk about today because I think it's a pretty cool concept. So, uh... What can you tell people, kind of a basic overview of how you started the label? Um, it started out of necessity. In 2013, I just, uh, yeah, I had just finished my second um, full-length record, and it was my first without a label. And at first, I tried to do a Kickstarter to kind of fund it and do the whole thing because I saw that that was something that was happening. And then I, it did not go well. I uh, did not reach my, reach my goal. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, if you don't make your goal on Kickstarter, you don't get your funds. So it's just a uh, null, whatever. And so kind of got really, really upset. And uh, I think I started that towards the beginning of recording. So then I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to finish recording the album. I ended up finishing the album and then I was going to figure out how to put it out because I didn't have a label uh, the label I had had no connections really, and I kind of just was on my own. I had um, just moved to Louisiana too, so I had previously lived in North Carolina. So long story short, I just decided bands do that. They just put out their own records, and I wanted to look professional, so I made up a record label, and I went easy and cheap and called it Pacifica Records, and um so the first release was the vinyl for uh, Without Heroes in 2013. It's funny. I open up by saying, like, this is the stuff that we always talk about, but I've actually never heard that story about the <laughs> Kickstarter. So right off the bat, I'm just like, oh, well, this is why we're having the conversation. Um, you know, it's crazy to think, like, there was a lot of bands back in that time period that just did Kickstarters. And I do remember seeing a lot of failed kickstarters and i don't really remember a lot of that happening anymore like i think people have found other ways to try and fund it but yeah like that's always tough when you're like okay i know about what i sell and how much interest there is i should be able to generate this amount of money but if people don't hear about it and if people aren't patient then all of a sudden you have zero dollars i mean honestly the story from the moment that i 
I guess all that happened till now, I learned a lot about marketing and management and, you know, doing the books and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, like I said before that, I guess before I had this label, uh, Alalam Records, which they were out of Portland, before I was with them, um, I had an actual band and we didn't ever had a label or anything, but we, you know, had other people bounce stuff off of. And then when they left, I had the label to bounce stuff off of or take care of some of the brunt of things. And then at this point I had nobody. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's a great segue into what you're doing now, which is, you know, you didn't have that experience. So you started doing it yourself out of necessity. And next thing you know, uh, this year you've transitioned into putting records out for other artists. And I think that that is a pretty cool story that is, you know, kind of growing and blossoming, you know, as we know it, you've got some cool stuff coming up that I don't know how much of it is public yet. So you can decide what you want to talk about. But I mean, uh, last year, you know, you, you put out the, uh, the menders and the Aaron Sprinkle record, uh, talk a little bit about how, you became involved in working with other artists. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I started off as a label for Pacifico and we put out two records, uh, without heroes and Everest. And then I, uh, decided I, my first full length, uh, I always wanted to have on vinyl the label at the time couldn't afford it and I couldn't afford it. So it never happened. So we did a re-release of that. And then that took us up to, uh, uh, 2020 I believe yeah that took us up to 2020 and then um last year uh, I, I I produced a record I guess between 2019 and 2021 I think they finished it in 2021 with the Menders I produced a record with them and get close to a project like that you want to make sure that it sees the light of day and that it has the care and and, and stuff into it so I approached them and asked them what they were going to do about their music and they said that they would love to have it on vinyl but they don't think they could afford it and then um similar story honestly around the exact same time i'm friends with aaron sprinkle and uh he just released or just finished um his new ep and he was trying to figure out how to release it. it's the first time he doesn't have a label and so at the same time i just finished recording my new album um being mixed right now by him uh called um self-care and yeah he we basically did a trade him and i like he's gonna uh it's my album i'm i released his ep and then we're gonna do the numbers afterwards to see <laughs> if anybody owes anybody anything but uh yeah i just basically was like okay I, I can help him and it really i didn't think about it being a label until my buddy ty um ty klein is his name and he plays in a band called the mirror radical. And I did a song with them during the pandemic. Um, him and I collaborated in the song and did do what anyway, uh, he was like, you need to, uh, do something with us. You need, you have these opportunities, do it, make it into a label. And he wanted to be a part of it. And unfortunately he wasn't able to be a huge part of it, but he still is involved in the creative side of it. He came up with our sticker and our design and for that. And, um, and obviously it was a catalyst. And so, yeah, once I started things and then I just, since I put out the, the menders, we're still waiting for the vinyl stuff, but the menders CDs out and digitally and, um, as well as Aaron Sprinkle's certainty album, which we have on tape and CD 
and digitally right now and waiting for the vinyl for that too. That's awesome. So, you know, initially you, you connect with the menders, you end up producing that record, but even going into that, there really wasn't any intention of working with those guys beyond producing the album. It just, um, kind of came naturally after, you know, after, after working with them for a while, you're like, Hey, like, this seems like a good fit. Like, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, like I, I mean, obviously to work with them in the first place, I liked them as people and I liked their music, but then being involved in it and helping shape, you know, something, um, it, I've done some producing before, but that was my first full length other than my own music that I had produced. So yeah, I wanted to make sure that they, you know, that it would get, get some light because hopefully people like it and then someone else will want to hire me, you know? And, um, so we talked a lot about what they wanted to do. And I, I was just like, you gotta, we gotta follow your heart. You gotta do it right. And had a lot of talks about marketing and you know, the unfun fun side of things. And it just, it just made sense, you know? Yeah, for sure. How did you connect with them in the first place? Um, in 2004 ish, I joined a band in North Carolina called Monday in London. And, um, I was the lead singer and then they had four other awesome fellows that were in the band. And I was in that band off and on for about four to five years. And um, during that time, he was basically our roadie. Uh, he, you don't even know who I'm talking about. The guitar player in the Menders, uh, Wes Orvis, he, he was uh, basically our and he would come on the road with us. Okay, go ahead. Weird. Cool. Yeah, so I was in this band in North Carolina called Monday in London. Uh, for about four or five years and i met wes who was the guitar player for the menders there he was basically like our our roadie and, and became a great friend after a while and i didn't even know he played music until a couple years after the men i mean after monday and lennon broke up and then um he told me that he was joining this band and i since have become friends with them and we played some, played some shows together and i produced the record that's awesome um and then obviously your relationship with Aaron goes back a long ways. Uh, for those who don't know, Aaron Sprinkle was in the band Poor Old Lou and went on to uh, do a lot of uh, recording and producing and everything for Tooth & Nail Records. If you want to know more about Aaron and all the things he's done, check out his podcast with Matthew called uh, The Moon Traveling Podcast. And you can learn all about his history. But uh, obviously your history with him starts back then you know, as, as a fan of his band, how did you guys circle around to working together? Was it, uh, you know, built out of your interest in him mixing your new record or had you guys kind of established some working parameters before that? Um, no, yeah, it actually, I guess we'd been on each other's radar for a while. Um, you might, I'm going to try to give a cliff noted version, but like our first episode of our podcast, we talk about how we meet in depth, but for the cliff notes for your listeners, basically, yeah, I was a fan and then I became friends with his brother, Jesse, and then Jesse introduced me to him, but just, you know, in passing kind of thing. And then when I worked with Jesse on my album without heroes, he played drums on that. He tried to get Aaron to mix it. Aaron was too busy. So Aaron had heard my music at that point. Um, and then I went on tour with the band, the almost, I was their uh, touring keyboardist, percussionist and background vocalist. And when we were in Seattle, 
you know, all the tooth and nail people came out. And so Aram was there. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, on the bus there with the almost in Seattle's when we first met and, um, and then cut two years later, um, just again, just a fan hadn't seen him and talked to him. And then, uh, I, uh, basically, yeah, I, oh, I know what it was. We, we kind of always, we became friends on, uh, followed each other, I guess on Instagram or whatever, uh, cause he knew who I was, I knew who he was, but we never really talked or anything, but we, um, Abe and I, my wife went to go see Rufus Wainwright play and she posted it or maybe I posted a picture. It doesn't matter. We both probably posted a picture. We're huge fans. And he commented on it. And I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Blah, blah. And then so my whole life being someone that does everything themselves and kind of trying to figure out how to do everything to make sure I can stay afloat and keep moving forward, I know that I have to ask, you know, like don't don't ever be afraid of asking people things. So I – um reached out to him and wanted to see if he would produce my record. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then from there, it basically turned into, um, he couldn't produce it, but he'll mix it. And here we are. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an interesting thing. I mean, like the difference between, uh, having someone like that produce on the album versus mixing it. Like, I'm sure that's something uh, that you'll continue to pursue in the future, you know, especially with doing the podcast and doing some of the shows together and everything you guys are doing that, you know, getting him to uh, collaborate as a producer would, would be a, a next logical step. Yeah. I mean, I personally would love it and I know he'd do a great job. I will say, I will take this, you know, as a huge compliment from him, but me and my buddy CJ, who I do all my stuff with, we were in the studio and I was talking to him about him producing us. And it was about the time where he, Said he, I know what it was. He'd already said that he couldn't, and he came by the studio while we were recording. And I was like, "Are you sure?" Because he was talking about how good it was. He's like, "He's like, you don't need me to do this. You guys are going to do great. You're doing great, you know, kind of thing." Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That, but the mixing thing, yeah, he's going to be doing more like remixing. Um, I've given him permission to pretty much he can cut up the song if he wants, or take something out, add something in. Um, so far, we've got one song. A preliminary mix and on that one he uh asked me he's like is it all right if i do some background vocals like add something whatever and and he didn't end up doing it but you know the answer is yes you can just do what you want and i tend to like to work that way with people anyway let people be creatively free and kind of follow their artistic integrity rather than me trying to keep people in boxes yeah that's a cool idea because you know in this case you know he's mixing it but in a way he's adding kind of a post-production kind of touch where you know he wasn't there in the moment giving you an idea of of a different direction to go but at the same time he can cut stuff and bring it back together and you know with with all the computer tools we have these days you know you can play you can play one note sing one note and you can write a whole song out of it so totally yeah yeah um i'm you know like i said i've only heard one of the songs that sounds amazing but i'm really interested to see what he does because I, I trust him. I I pretty much have listened to everything he's released, and I don't think that I have a, anything that I would be embarrassed or would not want to have his his hand, you know, uh, on my stuff in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, I, I touched on a little bit earlier. I know you've got some cool stuff coming up. Are you able to talk about any of that yet, or is that kind of still? Uh... 
a little yeah, bit, a little uh, bit ahead of us. No, we can we can talk about it. Uh, I got a couple things, a couple irons in the fire. Uh, the one that uh, you probably are alluding to is I'm doing uh, with the Starflyer fan group on um, Facebook. I'm doing a Starflyer 59 um, covers um, album, you know, tribute album, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's being mastered right now. It's it's got a um, Let's see, it's got Squafevo, it's got the Huntingtons, um, my band, um, the Mirror Radical, that band I mentioned earlier, Enigmatic Foe, uh, Daniel Markham, um, September Equation, um, uh, Delore, and many, many more. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, one of the cool things about this project is, you know, you you have the vinyl release of it, but then there's kind of like a digital bonus tracks. Uh, tell, Tell us a little bit about how that idea came about. Yeah. So, um, we came up with this idea about a year ago and, um, since then we've been working to bring it to fruition. It, uh, yeah, the, the initial idea was to get actual, uh, rather than just fans covering the songs, get, get some established musicians to, uh, do a covers album and then, uh, print it on, on vinyl in a limited run. Um, and so that's basically what the idea was. But we opened it up to fans and just to anybody, you know, to send us. And we got some really awesome uh, content and too much to put on a vinyl. So um, rather than just tell them sorry and, you know, whatever, some of these people, you know, nothing will happen with it, I guess, if, if, if well, it doesn't end up on here or whatever. Anyway, we just decided we're going to put everybody everything out that someone gave. So. Um, if you pre-order the the vinyl when it comes out, you'll get all these other songs as well. Do you have a uh, date penciled on the calendar for when that uh, pre-order is going to go live? Well, so no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I've been trying to get in touch with the artist to to get him the final stuff for that while I was getting stuff mastered. So that's about where we are in the process, and we're kind of you know, playing it loosey goosey this year because vinyl is really far behind. And we really honestly kept, kept our submissions open for longer than we probably should have just because there were a couple artists that we really wanted to be on, but just needed a little bit more time. So our initial releases, and we might still stick to it. We'll see was uh starflower day, which would be uh, May 9th, uh, 2022. But, um, and we might still stick to that, but if we do that, vinyls won't be in your hand on that day. Right. The other thing is, is that Jason's 50th, Jason is the, for people who don't know, he's the singer for Starfire 59. His 50th birthday is this year, which is part of the reason we picked this year too. And his birthday is not till I think it's December. It's like late in the year. So worst case, <laughs> we just aim for that. But, Maybe um, the vinyl's here for December and <laughs> yeah, you, you can get the digital and, on Starfire. Yeah. There you go. I think we might we might roll with that. That might work. <laughs> One way or another, you'll get it on something important. You know, um, it's interesting. Like just this conversation about including all of the acts that submitted as a digital submission, it, it makes me wonder about like some of my favorite tribute albums and compilations. Like, you know, w- were there other submissions that I would have just really loved the way they did it, but they didn't make the mm. final cut because. You know, maybe whoever was putting it together didn't enjoy it as much as I would have, or 
um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, back I to like the depends. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, said, I think it depends. Cause like, I mean, obviously I, I, I've just started a label. I don't have a ton of money. I'm on this project in particular. I'm trying to not make any money because I don't have legal rights, you know, to be make money on this. And we've already determined that if we make anything, we're going to give it to Jason Martin himself, you know? Um, but if I had money, I probably could pay people and, and therefore I would just cherry pick. And there might be, like you said, it might be just like when you watch those videos where it's like, did you know that George Clooney was up for the part of blah, 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 but turned it down? Cause you know, like right. that kind of thing, maybe there were like a super list that was then happened to be changed because they couldn't get X, Y, or Z on it. But right. I think that a bigger label probably would just cherry pick the people and go, this is who we got. There you go. And rather than we were taking open submissions, you know, right. Um, I mean, similar things happened during the pandemic. Um, Joss was a catalyst for the label was I put out a, a two part compilation with my friend, Sean Fox, um, uh, that you also know, that's a, a band called Dear Cavalier. And we did a, uh, thing called songs from indoors and it was a submission based thing. We took submissions from people recording songs that they wrote during the pandemic and recorded at home during the pandemic. And it ended up being too, too many songs for one outing so we did too yeah it's really cool i kind of forgot that that you were involved with that as well yeah sean is in dear cavalier not to be confused with my band dear cavalier so um you know shout out to to sean for always being a good sport <laughs> but yeah you know i just i just think about some of the cool compilations and stuff back in the day you know like the art core compilations or uh flying tart mm -hmm. did a striper tribute and there's always those songs mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, the song is really cool. And then there's some songs where you're like, eh, I don't know about this one. But then you wonder, like, was there some stuff on the cutting room floor that I would have been, like, super into and, like, just blown away by? But, I mean, that happens with any album. You know, like, sometimes someone puts out a B-side and you're like, this is, like, the best song on that album. If you would have left it on there, I don't understand what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, do, do you anticipate uh, releasing any other artists in uh, 2022 or is that still kind of up in the air? See what happens and uh, go from there. Um, yeah, we're kind of still up in the air a little bit. I mean, I, um, I myself have a lot of music coming on. I have an EP that is finished. that's being mixed and, uh, sorry, being mastered. It's been mixed. And then I have a full length that is being mixed. Um, and so I know that there will be new music out by me. Other than that, um, the guy Ty Klein I was talking about with the mirror radical, he said that he was interested in putting out an album this year. And so if he does that, um, then, uh, then yeah, I'll probably put that out for him. Also looking at, um, a Christmas album, a friend of mine, um, it's in a band that is really, really good. Um, he wants to record a Christmas album and he sent me some demos of what he wanted. It sounds amazing. So might do that. And then I am um, producing a record this year for uh, Kick Snare Crash, a project out of Greenville, South Carolina, by uh, Drew Montgomery. And um, there, you know, we're going to gauge that. But if I, I imagine that I'll probably, be, hopefully, I'll be happy with how it turns out. And so I might be releasing that when that's finished too. 
that's about that's where awesome. we are. I can't imagine, you know, like working on a Christmas album right now, you know, obviously to get it out in time for Christmas, you know, you got to work on mm-hmm. it now. And it's like, man, working on something like late January, early spring, you know, working yeah. on a Christmas album, like that would just burn me out. By the time Christmas came around, I'd be like, I'm, I'm completely over Christmas. Well, I mean, I imagine, uh, first of all, you've heard these songs, what, a billion times. And then, as you know, being a, a musician, like p- recording stuff, you have to hear the same thing over and over again like <laughs> it would be waterboard torture kind of thing and i'd just be like if i hear jingle bells one more time right. like, i don't know if i could do it yeah absolutely that being uh, said i would love to do a christmas album <laughs> honestly like like i'm not even recording anything right now but you could probably convince me to do a christmas album it, it might be almost easier than a regular album because i at least don't have to think of like new songs i just have to reimagine them which is way easier for me that's why yeah, i've always, always wanted to do go ahead, go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> uh, I, I was just gonna say I, I always wanted to do one of those covers albums too yeah yeah like i think that's why i've i've always always kind of enjoyed producing more than writing and recording because sometimes i'm just better at sitting back and hearing other people's ideas and i'm like oh man like what if you did this instead and then like then we all sit there and there's that magic moment where where everyone's like, oh my gosh, like what just happened here? <laughs> you know, yeah. which back in the early 2000s was just like, you should pray this breakdown eight times in a row. And they're like, you're <laughs> right, we should. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. A little bit different now, but yeah, just like, you know, being able to take something and, and reimagine it. I mean, that's half of what I do. I think I do more of that than I do uh, writing my own music, you know, coming up with like... Uh, joke remixes of Dear Cavalier from Sean Fox. And, uh, you know, I did like an electronic remix of a Knocked Loose song. And I just like taking songs and like reimagining them in a totally different style. Like, it's always fun for mm-hmm. me. So, Well, I, I fully believe that if you've written a good song, it can be, it could be taken and put in different styles. I mean, like, I remember I was a big fan of the MTV Unplugged and in the late, I guess it was early, in the early 2000s, I was trying, I was interested in putting on a festival in Atlanta where I took um, the bands that were playing at, at the places that we went and do an acoustic uh, concert where everyone played with their acoustic. And like, you know, um, at the time it was, they weren't Norma Jean yet, they were ludicrous, but like to have them play an acoustic set. And I talked to them because we were friends with them and they were like, I don't know, man, that's weird but we could try it kind of thing. And I just love the idea of like, you know, if the song's good, it'll translate, you know, cause when you, people thought the Nirvana's unplugged would be awful. And it's one of the best ever. Right. Well, and I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned turnstile in every one of my episodes, so I should probably mention that now. So I don't know if you saw the, um, the, uh, tiny desk of turnstile, but yeah, like, I saw that people were posting it, but I hadn't seen it. That's a band that I keep hearing about, but I have yet to actually, at this point, it's almost like I, I just kind of almost even avoiding it because I'm like, ah, I don't know. I kind of like mentioning it as much as possible as a joke and also because I do love the band. Like, I, I love their old stuff. I love their new stuff. I love joking about how they sound like any 90s band, like any 90s band mm. you name. I'm just like, oh, man, they kind of sound like Turnstile or Turnstile was clearly influenced by them. And it kind of riles people up a little bit, so... Uh, that's, a, that's always a good time, but uh, just, you know, speaking of reimagining, you know, they, they sat down, you know, 
<laughs> sat down and knocked out a couple of their more chill songs and even played some of their faster stuff. Like it, it was, it was entertaining. You know, anytime That's you cool. can see a band do that, like you said, uh, you know, reimagining stuff is always fun. I, I don't know if we talked about it or if it was someone else. I think I've had the conversation a million times about how I never really liked free falling by Tom Petty, but mm. then, but then like hearing John Mayer's version and hearing the almost version of it, I was like, Oh, now I get the song and now I can listen to Tom Petty's version. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is sweet. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to hear it a little bit different perspective to understand how well written the song is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that finding that bridge between what you're comfortable with and what you know and the uncomfortable and the unknown. And um, a lot of people don't push through to try to learn new things. They, they need that bridge. They need to start from a place you know, I mean, hell, I mean, the Beatles were a cover band before they became their own band. So yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. And to bring it for full circle, I don't know if you've ever heard me without you's cover of Nirvana. They did in bloom, I think. And it sounds nothing yeah. like it at all. Like on, if I, if you just played me the song and I didn't listen to the words, I'd have no idea what song they were playing. It's pretty interesting. That's cool. No, I haven't heard that. Well, you tried to you tried to sell me it. on that band, and I was like, eh. <laughs> "That's right." I completely forgot that I did try to sell you on them. But hey, to to each their own. So, uh, did you uh, you check out today? Is uh, the first wave of Furnace Fest bands was released? Did you check that out at all? I saw that people were posting. I did not check it out yet. Here, I'll tell no. you. Can I look at that while I'm on the phone with you? Let me yeah, see. absolutely. Uh, are you a Roadside Monument fan? Never heard them. You've never heard, really interesting. Yeah, I that's, know. That's I'm going to be like the worst person for any of this. <laughs> you start naming bands. Let's do this. Let's do the name bands that Matt doesn't know. Go. Oh man, like all all of them probably. I'm trying to think of uh, who else you might be into. Were you into uh, Elliot? Is that a band? Never you heard them. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking this, at this list, right list and I I don't know of anyone else you might know on this. You ever I mean, heard of Pedro the Lion? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I love Pedro Lyon. Um, Lagwagon. Um, some of my best friends were in a band called Seventeen Split, and they love Lagwagon. I've heard a bunch of Lagwagon, but I was not a fan of them. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure geez. if anything would kind of grab you there, but uh, Stretch Armstrong. We've played shows with them back in the day, and I think their lead singer said he liked my songs, and that's about it. I haven't talked to them in a billion years. And they probably, I don't even know if they know who I am. And I don't even know if I have this the right band. That might be just a terrible misunderstanding. Um, other than that, the only other, uh, Advent, I know them because John oh, yeah. played yeah. drums and the Almost. Um, but I never listened to Advent and was not a fan of hardcore. Um, and then Newfound Glory, I know who they are because they were on the radio, but I hate that guy's voice. Like, I don't think he can sing. So, so far, um, you will not be making an appearance at Furnace Fest based on the initial 30. No, um, maybe they can get me um, get me on the show. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Chad, Mike. You know, if you guys want to give me a call, Ryan, one of you want to call me. We'll get Pacifico on the bill. Uh, we'll pack out the shed stage, get some stage dives going for Pacifico. It'll be a great time. Yeah. I could probably rent a, a um, generator for the weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll actually just put you. Stages. We'll just put you on the corner, like across the street. Like great promotion, uh, great stuff. No, I'm sure. Like there's gonna be a a real diverse lineup. I'm excited about. It. I already bought my ticket back like 
November nice. or something when they did the pre-release because I had a blast last time and I trust these guys and I've made so many friends from that community that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah. But I'm pretty stoked. I, I've always loved Newfound Glory and uh, Bleeding Through is a band that I've been wanting to see for a while. But just this lineup's real solid. Like if, if this was it, I'd be like, I'm definitely going to watch like most yeah, of these bands. You know it's going to be more. Yeah. Like I feel like if they did this, like this level of bands and this variety of genres again, two more mm-hmm. times, I'm just going to be like super stoked on it. It was just some of these bands are like adjacent to bands that I like, but they're not the bands I like. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they came out with. It really shocked me. I don't, like some of them. I was like, really? Like that's, that's an interesting addition. Everyone thought Sunny Day Real Estate was going to be in this announcement, and obviously they are not. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see, speaking of poor old Lou and Aaron and (laughs) those guys, you know. I'm I'm still trying to finish up that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Now that that you guys did that episode, episode poor old Lou (laughs) reunion. I love it, though. Like The thing is that everyone's a fast talker like I am, so I can only listen to it at like 1.2 speed. 1.5 is way too fast for that episode. Get that. Get that. Um, Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun episode to do. Um, And yeah, they they should definitely do a reunion show for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you pay attention to that group and just kind of look at the listens on that episode and everything, like poor old Lou's definitely a draw. If they played a show somewhere, like, People are going to come. Kind of reminds me of like a kind of Staves Acres draw to Furnace Fest last year. There was a lot of people mm-hmm. who went to Furnace Fest only for Staves Acres. Like they watched other bands, but that was why they were there. Absolutely. Like if Staves yeah. Acres didn't play, they weren't going to go kind of thing. So pretty cool. So uh, kind of transitioning to uh, what you have going on now. Um you know, we talked about you got the album, you got the EP being mixed. You got some shows coming up around the southeast. Um, probably most notably the 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 weekend in April. Tell us a little bit about that weekend in South Carolina and what we've got coming up. Yeah, April twenty third. Uh, Aaron and I and Drew Montgomery are doing a show in Greenville at Velo Fellow, I believe. And then the twenty fourth, Aaron and I are playing with. Dear Cavalier, our buddy Sean, at the Furnace Fest Prom, which is in Columbia. So that should be a fun weekend. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like they've got the Stretch Armstrong Hopes Fall and Advent show that weekend, which you may or may not go to depending on whether or not you guys are playing. But also I will add that it's actually April 28th in Greenville and April 29th in Columbia. (laughs) <laughs> the uh, the prom yeah. is in Columbia, and then April thirtieth is the uh, Stretch Armstrong show. So I got uh, yeah. Everyone else that listened to me show up a week early. <laughs> they're like they're like, why are you guys playing on like uh, what would that be? Well, I guess then you guys would be playing on the Saturday. Like, yeah, I guess that would kind of make sense too. But yeah, show up April twenty eighth in in uh, in Greenville or April 29th in Columbia. The Furnace Fest prom is going to be a really good time. I'm hoping to make it out for that weekend to see you guys at both shows, see some friends. Catch Stretch Armstrong and Hope Soul and Advent because the first two bands I did not really catch them at at uh, Furnace Fest. I almost said Cornerstone, but same thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at Furnace Fest, you know, I caught a couple songs of each of those bands, but they were bands that I definitely would would like to see. So if I can come out that weekend and kill like four or five, six birds with one stone, you know, should yeah. be a, a great time. Um, if people want to 
find more information on the label and your releases, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so we have, um, you can go to, that's a good question. I, uh, we have an Instagram Pacific records. We have a Facebook group, uh, which is probably under, if you look for Pacific records, I'm pretty sure it'll show up. Yeah. Um, we don't really have a website per se, but the link tree that I have on all those will take you to where you can pre-order stuff and all that kind of jazz. I mean, we didn't really get into it too much, but the way that I run things is I allow the bands to have control of their music and I don't control it. I just help them put it out. Mm -hmm. Um, so that way, uh, yeah, you're supporting them directly and there's not another fist in there really. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. So they want to check out the label Pacific records and you're going to link you link from there to where they can find the menders, where they can find Pacifico, where they can find Aaron Sprinkle. Uh, like you said, that's a really cool concept and kind of rare that you're just like, yeah, like you guys, you guys sell it. It's all you. You got it. Um, and if they want to find out more about you and Pacifico, where can they find Pacifico? Uh, yeah, anywhere. Pacifico Rock on the interwebs, PacificoRock.com. The link tree I was mentioning is a link tree Pacifico Rock. There's Facebook, same thing, Pacifica Rock, Instagram, Pacifica Rock. I think we have a Twitter, but I think it just reposts from the Instagram. So mm-hmm. I don't ever really get on Twitter and write. I don't get Twitter. I, I still don't get Twitter. I don't know if it's something about my age or something, but I'm like, okay. If I just mostly want to post pictures, I'm going to go to Instagram. If I want to do whatever, I'm going to go to Facebook. I'm not if yes. I wanna if I wanna post a shorter post, I'm gonna go to Twitter. I I just don't really get it. Like mm-hmm. I d I don't yeah, I don't see the benefit. Yeah. Somebody write us and let us know how to use Twitter. Um but yeah, I mean <laughs> they're TikTok, YouTube, you name it. I'm on, I'm on all the social medias. Um and I try You're to on TikTok? To what they need. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Hmm. I started a just started a, I, I've had it for a long time, but I don't know how to really use it. So I just started a series where I'm going to learn every single Beatles song and play a cover of it. And I'm about halfway through their first album. And, wow. um, I post it there and on YouTube only. I'll tr- post like clips of it in my story on Instagram, just to kind of hopefully people go, where's the rest of it? Right. My TikTok, but yeah. It's Very there. Cool. And this is how old I am. I, I, uh, I record the entire song. So they're like two and a half, three and a half minute songs. And I do it in landscape mode because that looks the best and looks the most professional. And that's not how you use TikTok. <laughs> right, right. So, so like, I, I like showed my wife, I put up like four of them or something like that. And she was like, you know, that's not how this works, right? You have to post just like a minute, minute and a half of a song. And then people can, can like do wet with it and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, that's what a waste to set everything up just to record that short or something. Like, but I'll probably look into editing. <laughs> what I think is interesting is that a lot of the TikTok stuff has carried over to Facebook and Instagram where people are basically treating those platforms the same as TikTok. And some, oh, of, yeah, some yeah. of it's really funny. And I'm like, that's cool. And some of them like, this is just such a waste of time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the, I said, I'll, contra- I'll check it out. Yeah. The content creators are basically just doubling everything and just putting it everywhere they can. Right. Because I think YouTube's got something they're trying to get going like that too. And yeah. It's just like, ugh. Absolutely. I think what would get me to TikTok is you shirtless playing a cover of Wonderwall. That's, so that's and what we need is shirtless Matthew it. playing Wonderwall. Here it is right here. I get 10,000 uh, followers. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. 
Well, I mean, I think you're putting the the chicken before the egg. I mean, if you play Wonderwall shirtless for ten, you'll get the ten thousand followers. I think that's the idea. So, my mama always told me, um, "Was it don't don't give him the milk when he can buy the cow?" <laughs> that's true. I thought you were going to say, "Don't give him the milk when you can buy the cow for free." And I was like, "Wait, wait, yeah, what?" <laughs> yeah, turn it around. <laughs> Feminism. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. You know, check out Matthew's music, Pacifico. Check out uh, Aaron Sprinkle and the Menders on Pacific Records. If you want him to work on your projects, reach out to him. He's a, a great guy, professional musician. Definitely have appreciated working with him. Matthew, great to have you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. To close out this episode, I'm playing a clip of the song Everything from Aaron Sprinkle's new release Certainty on Pacific Records. It's a great song, and I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>